It's another episode of the Inside the Eyeball podcast, episode 9 of the official podcast of the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Eric Evenson, Art Carmody, he brings the brains, I bring the uh, the questions, and he just explains it to me. That's that's pretty good summary of what this... Yeah, uh, like, I don't talk much on that. I mean, I do the interviews. Yeah, you, you, you do. You do yeah, the, you let me do the interviews. You actually do the hard work. I, yeah. just, I just show up... I. With no agenda. Yep. I mean, we literally sat here for 10 minutes before we started trying to figure out what we're going to talk about because it is that it's dead period. It's a weird period. time right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a yeah. dead period of spring ball's over, draft's over. It's about to be hot. Well, and we just sat here and we said, all right, we can talk about NIL and all the, like, lawyer stuff that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And, but, like, we're, like... Yeah, we'll probably get why sued. Would, why would someone listen to us yeah. about that stuff? Like, we don't yeah, know. Like, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I just read Ross Dellinger's articles, and yes. that's what I tell people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, hey, what do you know about NIL? And I just basically quote Ross Dellinger yeah. and yeah. all the people that Ross Dellinger gets to his sources. If there is one leading reporter on NIL, it's Ross Dellinger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah he's uh, he's all he's all over it. He, <laughs> I don't know how you become like I'm gonna be an NIL guy, but like he's become an NIL guy. It's probably just because he's super smart and like knows all that kind of like. Legal yeah. and like yeah. non like sports stuff where like you know we're just like okay football like we're gonna talk about football we don't know like he's become nil guy and uh, and he's the best at it and he has like a new nil article like every three days yeah so what we're saying is don't listen to us on nil go yeah read go Ross find Dellinger. Ross Dellinger uh, he puts up like a new long form article like that has all new information every like week. Uh, you know, he doesn't send out, like, the same stuff, like, same quotes. He has, like, new stuff every week. So go listen to him. But, yeah, so we sit here and we're like, okay, what can we talk about now? It's May. Uh, there's no spring ball. Uh, it's not even really – I mean, it's not really recruiting right now. No, t- guys like, are on break. Coaches are on probably somewhat of a vacation, but you really can't be on vacation because you always got to be recruiting. you got transfer portal. Oh, yeah. Jordan Addison's taking yeah, visits. Addison, That's yeah. a big one to follow, that whole saga. Um, there's no schedule release like the NFL because the schedules are have been out for, for months. But we just it, need to start talking it, about it's slowly the, but surely We coming. just need to start talking about the non-conference games that are – Yes, week one, week two. No, no, no. Like Wait. the ones that are scheduled for like 2036 and just yeah. like break them down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Totally speculate yeah. on like who's gonna be playing in that game, yeah. you know. What what's Bryce Young Jr. Yeah, what's Pitt gonna look like in two thousand thirty six? Yeah. When they're in the uh when they're when they're in the SEC. Hey. <laughs> in a couple more years wins more championships. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, so we got a good show. Uh Alan Fanica, big guest, uh maybe the biggest guest we've ever had on the Inside the Eyeball podcast. Hall of Famer. Yeah, Pro Football Hall of Famer. It was great. I mean, it was awesome to get to talk to him. I'm a huge Steelers fan, so oh, yeah, uh, you're probably insufferable. Oh, I, it was the whole article was about Steelers. Yeah. Like, or the whole interview was about Steelers. Uh, it, uh, no, I asked him about the Independence Bowl because Alan Fanica played in the '95 and '97 games for LSU. Uh, asked him about LSU and then uh, got into, you know, his uh, his professional career. It was a really interesting interview. So we'll have that here for you guys and uh, coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but I mean, speaking of Alan Fanica, Art, I wanted to ask you about those '95 and those '97 games. Those are probably looked at by a lot of people as 
two of the best games or, you know, the most high-profile yeah. uh, contests in Independence Bowl history in 95 against Michigan State and then uh, 97 LSU-Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, what memories do you have from, from those two games back there in the 90s? Uh, it's cold. Very, very cold, both games. I feel like bowl games back then, like, you know, you never used to have, like, the 65 or 70-degree weather, like, for bowl games. It was always just cold. I yeah, and, and this was still when the game – these games were still, like, New Year – not, like, post-Christmas, like, yeah. you know, right around the uh, beginning of the year. Um, yeah, the 95 one, uh, you know, I just remember a ton of LSU fans were here. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, – it wasn't a great season for LSU, but it wasn't a bad season either. Yeah. I mean, they had some electric players. Uh, uh, you know, I think you mentioned it before. Marshall Falk was on that team. Not Kevin Falk. Kevin Falk uh, was on that team. Yeah. Kevin Falk was just – he was as electric of a, uh, of a college football player uh, as there was. Um, number three was a ton of fun to watch. Eddie Kennison had the speed. Um, and uh, they just they, they just blitzed Michigan State yeah. that day. The game got out of hand quick. Um, and uh, – it was a lot of fun. And then the 97 game, that was one of the rare times where it was a rematch of a game that literally was played, you know, in, in mid-November. Um, yeah. And Notre Dame went down to Baton Rouge. You don't see that anymore. No, they went down to Baton Rouge. They upset uh, a good LSU team uh, down there. Uh, you know, Ron Paulus was the quarterback. And at that time, that was Ron Paulus's senior year. It felt like he had been at Notre Dame for like 20 years because yeah. he came in with so much hype, you know, as a freshman. I think, uh, I think it was the late Beano Cook. Might have said he was going to win three Heisman. Yeah, I was going to say but, he was like a massive like recruit. Yeah, he was the top rated quarterback, which yeah. is weird. You know, I was looking. I was actually watching. I was watching the who did recruiting back then. Like now, you just jump on like twenty four seven sports or like rivals. Like, how did you get recruiting news like in the nineties? Super prep. They're like magazines, okay. like services you could call to to get all the information. I think there's one guy out of Chicago that was doing all of that. But but anyway, but I was watching. Um, Catholics versus convicts. The yeah. thirty for thirty was on, uh, you know, ESPN year or one of the one of the Ocho, one of the ESPN channels. You know, a week or two ago, and I was thinking about that. You know, you look at Tony Rice as the quarterback there, and Ron Paulus was like the number one quarterback in the country coming out in you know like ninety three or ninety two. Yeah, whenever it was, and, and Notre Dame had Rick Meyer, but they still ran kind of that uh, running offense with Jerome Bettis and. Uh, um, Reggie Brooks, I believe, was the other running back that played in the NFL for a while. And you think, look at the top quarterbacks now coming out of recruiting. Like they're going where, like, you know, they're, you're throwing the ball. Yeah. And Ron Paulus chose to go to Notre Dame, where like he's under center and like running the yeah. option. He wasn't fast at all. Yeah. Uh, and just it, it just it, it just a, it was a weird fit. Um, yeah. With him at you know at, at quarterback. You, you talk about that. And I'm gonna get way off way off script here. I saw something on Twitter the other day. It was like. It, it was a video of the Falcons offense under Mike Vick. Like I saw when that. he first came yes. out, no, I like saw they're, that. <laughs> they're running like the wishbone. Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just, just the fits were so no, it's so bad. And um and but anyway, it's that so that '97 team, you know, they come to Shreveport, and uh, I remember going to the the Minuteman luncheon, which was a big luncheon. Mm-hmm. It was packed. I mean, just ton of Notre Dame fans because Notre Dame they travel national yeah. brand. And it was a great, uh, great you know, opportunity and atmosphere for Shreveport to have Notre Dame play LSU, uh, even though it was a rematch. LSU had a lot of revenge, you know, on their mind after after the loss, and um, it was uh, rainy and cold, and 
uh, LSU came out and just went up and down the field on Notre Dame, and Notre Dame couldn't get anything going offensively. Yeah. It was just a, a, a easy Notre Dame, I mean, easy LSU victory. I remember LSU came out with the white helmets. That was really cool. Yeah, the cool. gold jerseys. Gold yeah. jerseys, white helmets. You know, Abram Booty, who was as good of a, a high school receiver, you know, in the country, uh, had a great game that day in front of the home crowd. So, um, yeah, anytime LSU's been here, it's been just a great Great day as if you're an LSU football fan, and yeah. it was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and again, you know those were those were back when there was you know you weren't born yet in '97. I was uh, three. Yeah, you're three. <laughs> three. Uh, gosh, you're so young. Uh, but those were back in the day, and they're only like you know 14, 15 bowl games. There weren't yeah. a ton of bowl games, so it was a you know it was a prime time ESPN you know game between two. Uh, two national brands in LSU and Notre Dame. Yeah, and we kind of talked, uh, you'll get to hear uh, Alan Fanica talk about it a little bit, uh, but we talked about how, you know, the matchup of those games with Michigan State and Notre Dame, and he said in 95, like, it was like playing Michigan State was completely different than playing in the SEC. Like, yeah. you know, it was it, it was such a different, like, they had an adjustment period, and then also we... And I can't stress enough to you look at the bowl landscape today, and you think, oh, you know, LSU played Michigan State in the Independence Bowl, big deal. LSU played Notre Dame in the Independence Bowl, big deal. It was an honor to go to bowl games back yeah. then. You, if you were, you know, there were eight and four teams that uh, don't go to bowl games. Like yeah. you had to be invited to uh, to bowl games. And, yeah, did Notre Dame get the benefit of the doubt a lot of times? Of course. They were yeah. the national brand with the national TV contract. Everybody, if they were six and six, somebody was trying to figure out a way to get them in their bowl game. Yeah. And uh, it's but, still the same thing with was, people, you know people complain that they get into the college football playoff right. just because of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was you know it was an honor. You were invited to a bowl. You had to be invited to the yeah. bowl game. Bowl games had a lot of power. Yeah, back then. Yeah. Uh, any other memories from uh, that time, or you know, there, even you know outside of those games uh, for the Independence Bowl? Um. Oh, just from growing up as a kid. Yeah, and that, well, I've like, told the story. That, I've told the story before about um, uh, you've heard the story. I, when I, the, yeah, I don't when know when if I was, you've told it on the pod. Yeah, when I was announced as the, uh, the chairman, the '96 game between Auburn and uh, Ar- Army, yeah. I had uh, just started kicking. Kind of found you played that fall. You know, my first year playing tackle football and was the kicker and punter, and really kind of like I loved it. I loved kicking, and I came out and uh, was at the game, and I was the first time I'd really kind of like watched the kickers. And uh, I never forget Jared Holmes was a kicker for Auburn. He was a junior college guy, played a couple of years at Auburn, had a really really good two year career at Auburn. I watched him, you know, kit warming up, watched him at halftime, watched the Army kicker, and uh, you know, it comes down to the the game winning field goal or the game time field goal for Army. And it was like I can't. I think it was like twenty seven yards, twenty eight yards, something like that, and uh, he missed it. And yeah. I, I remember seeing the stands, and I was like. I could have made that, you know, <laughs> dumb, you know, 12 year old, 13 year old, however old I was at the time. I was like, I could have done that. But that was when I was like, really like watched kickers and started learning. And like, I, you know, I would love to do this in high school and potentially do it in college and, and, and go from there. And then you fast forward to, um, you know, I go to Louisville, I walk on at Louisville, and, you know, uh, name the starter. Yeah. After my redshirt freshman year. And, uh, our second game of the year was on the road at uh, at West Point. It was at Army. Yeah. My first field goal was kind of the same situation. It was like a 27, 28-yard field goal, and I made it. And you yeah, think back, it. yeah, drilled it. Would have been good from 60, no big deal. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but you look back on it and you just like the symmetry of that just was pretty cool yeah. to think about. Like that's when I re- like I saw the pageantry and how special college football was for that Army Auburn game, and how much of a great game that was, and how electric it was that day in, yeah. in the stadium. Um, because I think it was New Year's Eve, and it was you know in the afternoon, and it was a packed house, uh, and uh, you know coming down to the wire like that was so cool and so electric, and it just left you with that feeling of okay, this is what college football is all about. Yeah, I want to be a part of this somehow, and then to come you know for it to you know be, I guess that was. Well, actually, it wasn't that. Fun. It was like eight years later. Yeah, you know, not that long. I'm I'm doing it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a really cool, really cool experience. Yeah, and yeah, and growing up, I went I went to all those games. I you know I was there um, for that game, the LSU games, the uh, the snowball. Um, you know, all up through high school, even my freshman year at Louisville, I came back. We we played in the GMAC Bowl, uh, which is now. You know, I don't know, Lending Tree Bowl, whatever it is in, in Mobile. Yeah. And I'd come back and during break, I went to the Independence Bowl. Yeah. I think it was Arkansas and uh, I can't remember I'm drawing a blank. Um, Arkansas and I want to say Iowa been, State. Yeah. Something 2003? like that. 2003. Yeah, 2003. Yeah. But it was, um, yeah, it's still, you know, still a, and, and still, I still go to the Independence. I love the Independence Bowl. Yeah. Uh, man, speaking of kicking, you should have seen me out there on the. Uh, All right. You texted me. Yeah, f- yeah, during our first and give flag football tournament. Great event, by the way. Uh, nine teams out there. We raised almost $5,000 for charity. Uh, I was drilling them. I only kicked three kicks, but how, three for three. On the 30-yarder, how 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 far would it have been good by? Well, see. You lined right. It would have got blocked, would it? Oh, it totally got <laughs> blocked, but it was still rising. I was just going through the uh, the uprights. You know, I I said I told you I snuck it in there. Was it off the it ground? Wasn't like it was. Was this off the ground or using a tee? No, off the ground. Okay. Who yeah. was holding it? Uh, Jacob, Jennifer's uh, husband. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it it was I I snuck it over the bar, but it was still it was still going up. Wait. So. It, that makes no sense. That means it was going it was up. Like and it, tiger, died. it was like a tiger stinger. And then it died going across the No, no, no. I was just it was just getting up to height as it went uh, okay. went through the uprights. Okay. It was still rising. It probably would have been good from a long way. Thirty seven? <laughs> yeah, maybe thirty seven. Um but no, that's uh that's those are good stories and it's great to hear the uh the background and like the just the memories that, you know, we hear it all the time from people in, t- in town, like the memories of the Independence Bowl growing up, and that's what we're trying to create for the kids that are growing up here now is uh, those memories. So, yeah, I mean, in 2019, that was, you know, I was a chairman of that game, and I'm, I'm on the field majority of that game, you know, for the different things that are done between the quarters and during media, media timeouts and whatnot, and to be able to look around and, you know, um, it was a picture perfect day. Yeah. It was, you know, the day after Christmas. It was like seventy degrees, something like that. Sixty five, yeah. seventy degrees. Not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. Maybe a couple of clouds. I like to think say there's not a cloud in the yeah, sky. Yeah, not a cloud in the sky. But seeing all the fans and seeing the young kids yeah. having a great time and you know, who knows? There's a kid in there that sees, you know, tech have that, you know, great game defensive performance and they they, they feel the electricity in the stadium. They're like, I wanna do that. Yeah. And next thing you know, eight years later they're playing starting linebacker or starting quarterback for Louisiana Tech. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Uh, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, so one last thing. We were talking about NIL. <laughs> we, we started the show. Well, we started, yeah, we started talking. Shout out Ross Dellinger. And we were talking about it off the air. 
you t- so go back to art at Louisville. You have NILs available to you. Mm-hmm. What's the one deal you want? Mm. I was <laughs> I, I was texting with this with with uh, Brian Brom, our starting quarterback. I think last year when NIL first came out, and in number one, I. I I probably wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten any nil deal if I was a nobody, you know, like when I first got there. Like, yeah. I, you know, obviously by the time I was a junior and senior, like I was, you know, people knew who who I was on the football team because we were scoring a lot of points and I, you know, was, uh, had success. But there was a place across the street from Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. It was called the Cardinal Inn, and it was uh, uh, like a I wouldn't say it was like a deli, but it was like um, uh, a lunch place. Uh-huh. We would eat there every. Monday and Wednesday uh, after class. Yeah. Me, Brian, um, a couple of the baseball players uh, that we were buddies with in the business school, and we just got to know the owners all the time, and we would just be like, we would just want free cookies. Yeah. And I just want free cookies. <laughs> That's all I would want. That's all you in, want. Yeah. In a, now, obviously, the older I get now, I'm like, yeah, I would love to have a, car, a sweet car. Yeah, uh, that you know all these yeah, guys. Yeah, see Bijan Robinson driving a Lambo. Yeah, I mean all these guys yeah. have these sweet. Not, I would have been fine with like a, a, a Nissan Pathfinder, <laughs> you know. Let alone these guys are driving souped up Lexuses and Lamborghinis and, and all that stuff. I'd be too scared to to drive, yeah. uh, especially on campus. You kidding me? Oh yeah. I mean yeah, that'd just been a nightmare. I was, I'm a terrible driver anyway, so it'd been been a nightmare. Uh, to have, but no free. If I free anywhere cookies. I could get free cookies, and then like Qdoba, if we could get like free burritos, Ooh, yeah. like that's. I mean, you would have shot yourself real, yeah. real short on your NIL oh, yeah. deals. Oh yeah, yeah. I, that, that, <laughs> they would have been offering money. Like no, 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 no. Free They're like, they're like, we'll give you fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> or you get a free cookie every day. I'd be like, let me think about this. Fifty thousand dollars. I'm gonna eat fifty thousand dollars of the cookies. The free, yeah, <laughs> I'll take the free cookies. <laughs> I'm so stupid. They'd be like, "You're the dumbest business school major." I'd probably get kicked out of the business school. They'd yeah. do that deal. But you know what? You you gotta go. You gotta go do something else because we can't have you representing the business school with your NIL, your nil deals. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's all we got with the art and I today. We'll uh, let's get to the best part of the uh, the episode. Alan Fanica, as I mentioned before, two time Independence Bowl. Uh, participant with LSU, uh, 1997 All-American, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion. He was all pro, Pro Bowl in the NFL. Uh, great talk with him and uh, probably the biggest guest we've ever gotten on the Inside the Eyeball podcast. So uh, let's get to him. Alan Fanica, former Pittsburgh Steeler, New York Jet, Arizona Cardinal, uh, LSU football player. Here he is. Joining us now on the Inside the Eyeball podcast, Alan Fanica, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl 40 champion, six-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, uh, all-time Steelers 75th anniversary team, uh, 1997 Consensus All-American at LSU, and a two-time Independence Bowl participant. Alan, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. How's it going today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. So I, I want to start, you know, kind of back at the beginning. You grew up in South Louisiana before playing high school ball over in uh, over in Texas. 
what was that process of getting back to Louisiana, going to LSU? Did you all was that always where you wanted to go and play football, or how how would that process go? You know, uh, I had an interesting recruitment from uh, from high school. Uh, so yeah, I got born and raised on the West Bank in New Orleans. Um, moved with my family uh, in uh, high school, right right in my freshman year of high school out there, to just outside of Houston, Texas, and. Uh, uh, you know, always just like most kids in Louisiana, big LSU fan. And uh, so the recruiting journey starts. And uh, I was kind of uh, discovered late um, throughout my uh, my recruitment. And I actually committed to Alabama first. Uh, and I, uh, you know, you know, it's just terrible. I know, it's just terrible. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm uh, an Alabama grad, so uh, you're, you're talking to my heart here. I hear it. Well, they had just won the national title. I think uh, I think it was just uh, a year uh, before, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to go get one of those things. That's that's pretty cool. Let's let's go do that." And uh, I I start thinking about it. And this is really late, man. We're down to like 24, 36 hours before you put your name on the line. And I'm in my room, and I'm looking around my room, and you know, in high school, you put things on your walls and. Uh, I, I counted. I started counting the LSU things on my walls, uh, from T-shirts to posters to anything. And I had I stopped in the twenties. I got to like twenty something, and I was like, "What in the hell am I doing?" Um, so I, I changed course, uh, called Coach Stallings up, and told him I changed my mind, and uh, on my way to LSU. And uh, yeah, you you played uh, you played four years there. Like I said, two time. Or uh, consensus All American, two-time Independence Bowl participant. Those uh, those '95 and '97 games, Michigan State playing against that uh, that was Nick Saban at the time coaching Michigan State, and then Notre Dame in '97. Uh, you led to, uh, you and the offensive line led some pretty impressive rushing attacks in those two games. What were your uh, your memories from those games in Shreveport at the Independence Bowl? Oh man, you, fun times, man! Just a, a fun event, uh, uh, enjoying them thoroughly. Um, you know, the first thing you talk about playing Michigan State. You know, everybody talks about uh, team speed, uh, player speed, and then the SEC. And our coaches kept telling us about it. You're going to have to change your landmarks in the run game, right? You know, we're used to chasing uh, fast, big guys, and they're like, you're going to have to change your, your, you know, your angles just just a little bit to slow down a little bit. And we didn't believe him. We were like, no way. You know, I'm not, I'm not, nobody was like saying, all right, I'm going to slow down. Um, but, you know, after we run, run like uh, two or three plays, we come over on the sideline and we all started looking at each other and we're like, we got to slow down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, change, tighten up, tighten up our angles a little bit because we weren't blocked. We were missing our blocks. We, not, we, I think we went three and out, uh, basically because we weren't blocking anybody. We made them look really good. Uh, and, um, so that's, that, that sticks out in my mind, especially about the running attack from like that Michigan State game. Um, and then, uh, you know, both games. So that Michigan State game was kind of a barn burn. It was probably the, the best bowl game. I, I hear people mention it as probably the most exciting bowl game of that year uh, was our back and forth with Michigan State. And then uh, the rematch with Notre Dame in 97, uh, where we got a little bit of justice from uh, giving them the one at home. Uh, you know, topped off the season quite well. Yeah, that was, uh, you, you know, you don't see that anymore, the rematch in the bowl games. Watching, uh, you talk about the Michigan State game, back-to-back 
kickoff returns in that game. It was uh, it was a crazy yeah. game. But so looking back at your LSU career, LSU career, uh, looking back in the decision you made to go to LSU, what was what was your favorite memory from just that that whole time there? Because uh, yeah, LSU was up up until you know or up in the eighties and kind of the uh, the early nineties. I uh, was struggling a little bit, but you kind of helped build that back up into what this program is now. Uh, so what what were your favorite memories looking back there at, at your time at LSU? Man, so many favorite memories. Um, but you're right. You know, we did uh, – uh, we uh, the guys that we played in that, in that era right there, you know, we do feel like we helped set the foundation for what, for what LSU is going through now. And, you know, we kind of hang our hat on that a little bit. But uh, – you know, just so proud of, of everything and all those guys. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the biggest the biggest memories are the memories that we're still making with all of the guys that we we still hang out and still meet up. And we used to do an, uh, an offensive line fishing trip right at the end of the spring semester before summer school started. And we'd go down to Grand Isle and we'd go fishing and hanging out and goofing off for like three, four days, whatever we could pull off. And, uh, we still do that, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen every year anymore, but you know, we still get together, man, 20, 25 guys and we go out there and have fun and, uh, relive the memories and just enjoy each other's company, man. And it's like, we never, you know, we don't all see each other all the time, but it, it's like we were back in the dorm all of a sudden. Um, so that, those are the memories that I think of the most, but, uh, you know, beating, beating Florida when they were uh, unbeaten for so long and number one at home is definitely one of uh, the big highlights. Uh, just the, the craziness that, it, that ensued, the the fans storming the field, uh, trying to take the you know, field goal post and throwing them out of the stadium. Uh, just uh, an, an amazing night. Uh, so, so moving forward to your NFL career, and I'm going to kind of start, you know, in recent history before I get into some of the details. Uh the culmination of your NFL career, getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What was that whole process like? From you know finding out the knock on the door, finding out you're, you're you know you're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame to that whole induction week and then the ceremony. What was that moment like? And was it was it similar to anything you had imagined? You know it. It's a little similar, like getting drafted. You know, when, when you get drafted, I mean that that's a life changing, altering moment. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, you're you've got a job, you're making money, you, all this work, all this effort you've been putting into through college and you know even high school and the years before that, right? Pee wee ball are, are coming to fruition. But uh, this is this is def- this is definitely on another level, on another stratosphere of uh, of excitement and. You know, it, it really doesn't sink in until you actually hear somebody else start thinking about, uh, talking about it, talk about the numbers and uh, uh, the people in it and how many people have played the game. And, you know, I'm number 347 in the Hall of Fame. I'm the wow. 347th member of the Hall of Fame. And to think that I'm one of the best 350 football players to ever live is, that's, it's hard to come out of my mouth. It doesn't even quite get comprehended even still today. But um, just a, a great, a great event uh, experience, uh, the ability to share it with my teammates and my family. So many people that helped me along the journey is, is what I think about most because, you know, you don't always you don't always pause and, and say thank you or, or appreciate people all the time. But when you get that moment like that, you get a chance to 
to tell people you love them and thank you for everything they did and, and let them know what they meant on your journey and, and how they helped you out. And, and that's, that's special to me. So you talked about the uh, the draft process going back to 98, drafting the first round by the Steelers. What did you know about the Steelers You know, going into that, that draft season, and what was your reaction when they ended up taking you? You know, my agent told me from day one, the Steelers are going to take you. You're going to be a Steeler. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you go through the whole process, and, you know, you go to the combine, and teams are pulling on you, and you're having all these meetings, and then you go – uh, back home and then you take a couple trips you know I went to Atlanta and a couple other places and um, I'm like I haven't said one word I kept telling my agent I was like I haven't I haven't had a conversation I haven't even sh- shaken a hand or, or said hello to anybody there and he's like I got a feeling you're just gonna go there um, so so he knew uh, but it was exciting I knew what Steeler football was I knew their tradition I knew what they were about as an organization and uh, it was so funny. It was like, you know, the, the, it didn't wear off, but, you know, all the excitement's going on. And, you know, about 30 minutes later, I kind of paused and I looked around the room uh, at my house where we were having the draft party. And I said, what's Pittsburgh like? Who, anybody know anything about <laughs> Pittsburgh? Because I don't know anything about Pittsburgh. Uh, so it was funny, but it was a great, uh, great experience and great, uh, a great landing spot for me. It, it couldn't have been more perfect for me. Um, you, you know, you see kids get drafted and sometimes, you know, it, it's easier to point out, you know, you see a quarterback, right? And he's just not a good fit. and It's not working out. And, uh, but that happens on, on all positions uh, all over the field where, you know, you're just not a good fit. It's not a good place. It's not a good uh, style of offense or defense for, for you. And it doesn't highlight what you do best. Uh, and you got to find another place. Hopefully that does. And for me to land there in Pittsburgh, uh, they did what I, what I love to do. They were a running team. Uh, I pulled well in college, and, and they just put me to use, and I did a lot of pulling, and it was just the perfect marriage. So fast forward to that 2005-2006 uh, season, uh, the divisional round against the Colts. Uh, after you guys go up 21-3 going into the fourth, uh, when Mike Vanderjacks ran on the field to tie up the game, what, uh, what's going through your head on the sideline? How did we get to this point? <laughs> uh, how did we get here? Um, you know, it was kind of, I mean, it wasn't kind of, it was a wild fourth quarter. And uh, just how did we get here to this point? And, uh, you know, knowing we, we, you know, we still had ball to play if he made it, but uh, uh, it, uh, it was just a, you know, it was a crazy ride. That was, was a very, very big game. Yeah, and that 2005 team was uh, a wild card team, but, it went through a lot that year. Did you guys know, even going into the playoffs as a as a wild card, that sixth seed? Hey, this is a pretty special team. We can we can make a run here. We did. We knew it. We definitely knew it. Uh, you know, we didn't play good early on. We didn't put all the all the pieces pieces on the board in the right places. Uh, I heard whatever analogy you'd like to use, we just weren't getting the job done uh, early in the season. But we had been pretty much the same team for a couple of years there. And so we knew we, we were there. We knew we had a good team and a good thing to build off of. We just finally started playing like a team. We started putting in the work and, and grinding and blocking out all the noise because, you know, people had written us off. And um, Coach Cower uh, started using a, a speech, and every team meeting it led off with, we were on a ship. 
and he altered it every single time he talked about it. But basically, it was us. We're on a ship, and you know, when you're on a ship out at sea, you can't hear anybody. You don't know anything else that's going on around you. You just block it out, and and that's what he did. You know, we, we followed his suit. We blocked everything out, and um, you know, a funny little side story on that is one day he came in, he started because he altered it every week. It wasn't the same story. He changed it up. The one day he started talking about a periscope. And I, I kind of looked at the guys next to me and I, I caught up with them after the meeting. I said, coach, I said, I'm with you. We're on a ship. I'm no, I'm going down with the ship. I'm with you. I just want to know, are we on a ship or are we on a submarine? Uh, and he got, he got, his face, his face would turn real red and purple when uh, you kind of caught him like that. He turned red and he's like, get out of here, go to your meetings. <laughs> Uh, you, I want to talk about some of the players you, you played with. Uh, first off, Ben Roethlisberger, you played with him first four or five, his first four or five years in the league. Uh, what was that like? And then this year, watching his final games, uh, what was that like? Uh, watching him kind of ride off into the sunset. Yeah, it's interesting, man. You know, he started out and uh, you know he was the guy that extended plays. He had a, just a knack for finding finding ways to make plays. And all of a sudden, you know, so I played with him through those years and he continues playing and, and he kind of turns into the gunslinger, you know, he's, he's a, a precise passer and the passer game kind of explodes for the Steelers. Uh, so it was interesting to definitely see that and, and to see him continue on and, um, continue, uh, and play, play like he did uh, and have a, a fantastic career. Um, and, and, and to see, I don't know, everybody that saw that, that not every not every player gets the the final send off like he got up there in Pittsburgh this past season, which uh, you know I was definitely jealous of. I'm sure every <laughs> other athlete was jealous of because the, the timing just doesn't always work out like that, where you where you know ahead of time. You know, normally it's a couple weeks after the season, but uh, I was I was so happy for him, uh, for him and for Pittsburgh. I think it was good for both. Absolutely, I was. Uh, it was great to watch the last few games, especially that. That last home game, uh, you played with so many all-time great players. Is there uh, anyone that sticks out? And I'm sure there are of uh, guys that you just watched every day and said, "Man, these guys just—they just continue to do stuff that is just—I can't believe it." Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, Jerome Bettis. I mean, just uh, a, a great friend, a great teammate. Uh, but the things he was able to do with his size. Uh, you know, we were always uh, hitting the rewind button to watch him do it uh, in the film room just to, to see what he was able to do. And, you know, when when somebody's able to, to, to bounce around in the hole and, and be his, his size that he was uh, when they're they're trying to bear down and, and, and take the blunt of this big man running at him. But all of a sudden he, he escapes him with a little uh, step of, a, of his feet. Uh, it was just always awesome to see. Uh, Heinz Ward, the, the passion. Uh, the style he played, um, you know, the, the way he played the game uh, hits, hits an offensive lineman right in the heart, man. It's just it's, uh, exciting uh, the way he got after it out there and, and you know, really kind of changed the game and, and created some rules uh, to kind of limit the way he played the game. So I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty special. And, uh, you know, back in my early days, I got a chance to play with one of the greatest centers of all time. Dermani Dawson and I, I still don't know I, if I could watch the film again right now uh, in front of in front of my computer right here and we could examine it I could tell you I still don't know what he did or how he did it because that's just how good he was he just he just did it and 
was able to do things that nobody has since been able to do either, I, I believe. He's just uh, amazing. So uh, one last question here, Alan, I'll get you out of here. But uh, you battled through a lot in your life and your career, specifically epilepsy. Uh, what was that battle like? And you, you talk a lot to, to young kids about this. What is your message to, uh, to them and, uh, and everyone you talk to about that? Uh, you know, my, my, my message to young people with epilepsy is don't let it define you. Don't, don't let it be a, a stigma. Be who you are. Uh, it, it's a, it's a part of you. It's not, it's not who you are. It's not everything you're, you're about. You're about more than that. And, uh, don't ever let it do that. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoy talking about it, uh, especially to, to young kids, uh, to, uh, to, to relate with them and tell them stories of that, where I've been, where they are, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing to be a kid, right? Everybody wants to, you know, be accepted and have friends and then, all of a sudden you've got epilepsy and you got to deal with this and you're kind of hiding it from people. A lot of times you're not open because you, you know, you're worried about what your peers are thinking. And, um, you know, when I can get in front of a group of kids and, and say, look, I had a seizure. I lived about a mile from my high school when I was in, in high school and I had a seizure and I walked to school in my pajamas. You know what? Wow. Uh, you know, the, the eyes get real big and I think they can all relate to it in some form or fashion and realize that they're, that they're not alone and that it's, you know, it's, it is something that they can overcome and battle, even if they're still always going to be battling it, but it's something that they can uh, push through. Well, Alan, uh, we appreciate you coming on so much. Uh, good to talk to you. Glad that uh, we could share some memories of uh, your days at LSU and with the with the Steelers and in the NFL. Uh, so thanks for coming on, and uh, we appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for Episode 9 of the Inside the Eyeball podcast. Thank you all for listening once again. We appreciate your support. Uh, continue to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, continue to scri- subscribe, continue to share on social media. Uh, thank you once again to Alan Fanica for coming on. Just a, a great interview and, a- as we mentioned, probably the biggest guest we've had on the, uh, on the Inside the Eyeball podcast. So really excited to get to, t- uh, get to talk to him, reflect on uh, his career at LSU, the Independence Bowl, and then also his time in the NFL. Uh, so really great, and uh, hopefully we can con- continue to – Bring on great guests. Uh, we've had some really good uh, guests this year, Lawrence Sisler, Alan Fanica. Uh, so uh, really great guests, and uh, hopefully we continue to bring that to you guys. So once again, thank you for listening. Uh, continue to subscribe. Continue to share on social media. Spread the word of the Inside the Eyeball podcast, and we'll see you next time.